your screen, okay? Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We have broken ground on the first co-housing project in Houston, Texas. In fact, the first in all of the great state of Texas. Hey, Kelly, how are you today? Hey, Lynn, how are you? Hey, we have a, yeah, we have a guest from another great state. Yay, we have, yes, we have an exciting guest. We have a very special guest. We have Jim Leach with us who is a longtime co-housing developer and advocate, and who also is the president of Wonderland Hill Development Company. Um, Folks may have heard of them. They're in Colorado. He has developed over 20 co-housing communities in Colorado, California, Arizona, and Washington. And he also is a builder who does other stuff other than just co-housing and has over 50 years of experience in the design, construction, and development of sustainable planned neighborhoods. So this is an exciting conversation. We're really glad that you're here, Jim. Yes. Thank you. Jim, you're you're yeah. like the father, and I don't even want to say maybe grandfather of all of this. So I have I have been the oldest one in the room. The oldest <laughs> one in the room. We're very grateful for you. And you know, one of the things that we all enjoy hearing about is kind of the origin stories of co-housing and each one of us has our own little story about how we came to co-housing and what it was like at the beginning and I'm looking forward to having that well in my rear view mirror myself. So um, maybe you could tell our community or our listeners a little bit about how you came to co-housing and that path along the road and what got you there and what kept you there. Yeah sure i uh, I came across co-housing in the late 80s, right after uh, Chuck and Katie had re- written their book and uh, had brought it back from uh, Denmark. And uh, a friend of mine came uh, to me and asked if, if I'd be interested in that. There's a group that had formed in the Boulder area, and they uh, think thought they had maybe even found a site, and they were looking for some help with how mm-hmm. to get the project uh, designed, developed, and built. And I didn't know anything about co-housing, but I've been doing uh, planned developments for a long time, uh, residential developments, and kind of pushing the uh, envelope on uh, from a design point and planning uh, both from an environmental standpoint in terms of green building, but also uh, with uh, common facilities like uh, swimming pools and Mm -hmm. Uh, tennis courts and, and uh, even little clubhouses for people. And we had done, uh, completed a big development in uh, Boulder called Wonderland Hill, mm-hmm. uh, the name of our company. And uh, I, I uh, picked up uh, Chuck and Katie's book uh, and read it uh, practically overnight. And I thought, boy, this is, a, uh, is going to be the next wave of housing in America because mm-hmm this down it goes beyond uh, way beyond the uh, what was a prevalent model of tract housing in uh, almost every place in the United States where people just built subdivisions and <clears throat> without a whole lot of thought to uh, common areas and things that that was sort of the city's business and uh, co-housing where the future residents actually got participated in, in figuring out what they wanted, how they wanted to live together and then ran, ran a community. So I, I uh, 
partnered with the Nyland community and came up with a um, you know financial and development model mm-hmm. for them that worked. And Nyland was the fourth community, I think, in the United States to be finished. It was the first one in color. Um, so what and, year was that? Put me on the timeline when they finished. Do you remember approximately? It was, um, well, when Nyland moved in, it was uh, 89 or 90. Wow. And it, it, it's over 30, over 30 years ago. Wow. And uh, at that time, there were, pro- you know, there projects that Katie and Chuck were trying to do on the West Coast and the different groups were struggling to get their things going. But uh, we were able to get ahead and, and, and finish it, uh, come in fourth <laughs> behind <laughs> projects in the Seattle area that had started way ahead. Hey, Jim, you know, one of the things that like Lynn and I both know what you mean when you say a unique financing model, because mm. we're you know, members of a forming causing community. So our checkbooks know exactly what you mean. But I don't know that everybody knows that about how uh, how uh, co-housing gets financed and kind of in those early days, what did you guys do that was different from, I guess, like a regular development, the developer shows up with, you know, a wad of cash, builds something and sells it, right? But what you were doing was a little bit different. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I put together uh, a way to uh, share the um, the risk and what would be uh, the profit on a normal housing project with the group of people that were going to live there so they would uh, they would invest in in the project uh, I was investing our company's time uh, and in some cases and projects uh, money in, into the project too. So in that way, it was kind of a joint venture uh, partnering setup, and mm-hmm. and would go once the project uh, became feasible and was ready to build. Uh, we would I would get the financing through local lenders and um, guarantee the loans, but the group we had would put up. Um, almost all the cash needed for the equity, which was, uh, you know, in today's world, it's probably 20% or more of the, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that would really worked out well with Nyland. And then I uh, started doing it with other uh, groups in, in the Boulder, Denver area that, that had cropped up and, and they needed a way to move ahead because the, the groups needed a guidance both from a professional standpoint and how how to go through the process of, of doing a successful development that actually mm-hmm. that budget that they had, you know, they had a lot of dreams and things, but they had to be real about it, and uh, and they did uh, ways to get the get the project to the point where it could be financed by local banks. Uh, <laughs> So we, we went ahead and perfected that model. I, uh, when I got to know Katie and Chuck, we all sat down together and uh, put together what we called the streamlined model for developing co-housing, which is really the one that like you guys are using today. And um, a lot of the communities in the United States, uh, all the ones we developed, uh, we used this kind of partnering model. And I, I think it's- yeah. 
you know, actually, I, I call that for people the roadmap to distinguish it from the finance, you know, so that they kind of kind of get that it's a um, more like a project plan. And then the financing is what kind of the, the foundation of some of that. So that, but that's it's funny because even though, yes, it's replicable, you guys did a great job of making something that, you know, can be used by all of these different co-housing groups and has has proven its worth. And yet each co-housing group still shows up with a very, very long wish list that has to get sorted out. I guess it doesn't yeah. overcome human nature entirely. <laughs> well, it's kind of like I've asked Katie before, are you concerned if I share this roadmap with anybody? And she goes, oh no, feel free because they cannot do this roadmap without me or some help, <laughs> which, yeah. which I think leads into the next question Kelly wanted to ask uh, Jim. Yeah, I was wondering, so as you've seen communities, you know, grow, and mature and age and you know some a, a lot of have turned over you know original owners have turned over and you just have a different interesting perspective I think on co the longevity of co-housing I was wondering you know what are some things that you learned from these early communities that you would advise people who are working on you know pulling together co-housing or you know what what should what is your most valuable information that has come out of this well the most important thing is the strength of the community itself. You know, it's it causing an interesting product because people uh, think of it as housing and that's an important part of their life. Mm -hmm. They wanna be part of, of uh, creating it and, and making decisions about it. And all that's important, but not near as important as how they put their community together, how they make decisions together, how well they, Run the communities that were the strongest were the ones that did all that while they were their project was being developed. And when they uh, hit the ground running and moved in, they weren't standing there looking at each other and say, "Oh, how do we run this place?" Uh, <laughs> the most successful ones are are the ones that uh, didn't uh, get too caught up in the development process, and that's why I, you know, I'm a big advocate for. Uh, make sure you're using uh, professionals uh, for, for development like Katie uh, and for design work. And so you don't waste a lot of time trying mm -hmm. to reinvent that part of the wheel. That's easy to, to do. The, the hard part is, uh, for me always, was, was the marketing, getting the, the, the right kind of, of buyers for the co-housing because people would get intrigued with the whole idea and, and and, but they weren't really a, a good fit for the mm. type uh, living, you know, and uh, uh, it, uh, you know, that's what I've always tell groups. It's build your community that, and that's how groups actually, you know, they all want to save money on their projects and they, the best way they can do it is build a strong community. That, oh, I love that. Yeah. They'll save more for you than than anything else, uh, because that community will make the right decisions and make up uh, efficiently. You won't do a lot of uh, spinning of the wheels and frustration. That's wonderful. That Katie jokes like we build the community and then we throw the house in for free at the end. <laughs> that yeah. the community is the is what we're actually you know building and buying here. I love, oh, that. I love that. I really, you know, in fact, Kelly and I talk about, we call it upside down development. So this just is music to our ears to have that validated from your experience. 
Um, and, you know, speaking of experience, since we do have your longevity, as you said, you're the oldest man standing in this arena. <laughs> so do tell us, um, what have you seen change over the decades? I mean, just kind of in the United States and housing in general, we've gone through various decades of trends and changes. And I hear you say 30 years ago that we all thought co-housing was going to kind of grab and go. Maybe you could give us a little bit of a retrospective and then kind of a glimpse into where you see us heading. Yeah, I did, and I've, I've got a, <laughs> actually more like a 60 oh my gosh. of uh, housing experience. And I've been part of it on a national level too, through the National Home Builders Association because I was chair of their design committee and their energy committees. Do and, they really have a National Home Builders Hall of Fame? Yeah, they're, they're I hear you're in. Group I didn't. In I that. didn't know. I didn't know if that was just a like a, a, a some sort of a saying or something. Yeah, but I, you're in the Hall of Fame. I hear. Big <laughs> presence in Washington D.C. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her office and everything. Congrats. But I went back to Washington every year for a while, you know, for conferences. But uh, but in terms of housing and um, you know, it's evolved from uh, the model that was developed after the Second World War, which was basically tract housing designed to house people in as efficient way as possible on little lots. The land was cheap. The production of housing was inexpensive. And, and so everybody could afford to buy a house on a lot. What you mm -hmm, wanted, yeah. even you know, and, and that was prevalent in and uh, and still is in a lot of America. Uh, but that model evolved into uh, plant developments with uh, varying uh, densities. You know, urban uh, people started to, uh, the cities that all deteriorated because of the suburban development started to gain new life, and and so a lot of good design has emerged. Co-housing came on kind of in the, in the process with all of that when uh, new urbanism and concepts, uh, advanced planning concepts were really uh, starting to become popular. And uh, it was such a, a, a nice fit. When I discovered it, I said, oh, this is great because you can work with the actual people that can decide how progressive they want to be mm. with moment and, and uh you know, back it up with with their own decisions. Um, it uh, you know it's proven to be uh, uh, I think reasonably successful in that respect. But I think the challenges of developing your community and and the operations of it have been the, uh, the probably the biggest uh, issue in terms of why it hasn't just become prevalent all over the place. Uh, that and the, you know it involves some economic trade offs. Anybody that thinks co-housing is less expensive mm. than regular housing is, uh, doesn't understand it. That you, you got to pay for that common facilities somewhere, and yeah. doing it by just shrinking the size of the housing is not uh, the way to uh, get the most uh, health for your money. But uh, but the, oh, I've learned a lot over. Uh, the past 20 years because I've lived in co-housing ah, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, causing co co communities are, are like uh, living things. You know, they're very organic 
and they grow and and the healthier they are the stronger they are and and they go beyond uh, people that you know like the nylon community that our first one uh 30 years old now a lot of the some a good portion of them have passed away one way or another mm -hmm. um, and uh but uh the community has in a lot of ways a life of its own it has a farm finally they did their their uh, community farm they talked about for 20 years <laughs> there's uh, it, it's exciting to see that that once you set the structure up you know the community structure up it uh you've created something that that really thrives and makes a real difference today and uh with all the challenges we have mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to create sustainable housing yeah i was wondering about that because i know that you know some of the early work that you did really pushed the envelope in sustainable i mean even in the boulder environment which is a very um progressive environment <laughs> from a sustainability perspective the work that you were doing pushed it even further it was very novel um and so i was wondering if there are other things about co-housing I guess, or maybe not, maybe it's just that it is such a progressive model. It allows people to um, to be as green as they wanna be or to really harness the value of the community. Well, co-housing operates in two ways, uh, I think in terms of uh, sustainable housing. It, it, people make decisions to um, trade off uh, you know, fancy countertops and, and mm -hmm. to, fixtures for uh, for more energy efficient homes and for more progressive uh, homes which are now you know becoming more commonplace in new housing uh, you know so it, it's a leading uh, it's a way to lead and be part of a leading movement in in how we house ourselves and you know the other part of it is just the fact you're, you're coming together in community with other community members and you, you've developed systems to where you can take on projects together like our community does. And you can, there's tons of these stories. You know, we probably do a way better job of uh, everything from recycling to, um, you know, how you use energy and water and uh, that sort of thing. And it, it, it's tapping into the not only the expertise, but the energy in, in, among individuals in the community. So people can bring their energy to a larger group, get support and accomplish a lot more uh, by uh, doing it with cause. And we've, you know, there's just, we've got really great examples how co-housing communities have led in their larger neighborhoods and their cities. You know, our, our mayor lives in co-housing in Boulder. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. They lives across the street from me. <laughs> that is amazing. You know, Jim, I just think that the way you just articulated that is absolutely exquisite. That's that's one of the things that Kelly has taught me from her experience living in Nyland. And it's just so um, it's just so great to hear that coming through from your experience as well. So I really want to thank you for that. You've you've given us lots of quotable quotes here today. Um, I'm just wondering, is there anything else you wanted to share today? I know you mentioned something about the pandemic and how it kind of shook things up. Um, and really, um, you noticed a change in how people are evaluating the way they live. 
Well, I, I think uh, one of the most important things today uh, is to understand what's going on. Uh, well, nobody really understands what's going on in our American culture, but uh, the change is just driven by the pandemic and all of the challenges that our culture is dealing with, the diversity issues and everything. It goes on and on. And then we, we're supporting a, another war, you know, and, and uh, co-housing actually provides a way for people to begin to come together and gain some strength at a very local level. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. you can actually get involved in doing things that make a difference in the world. And uh, as a, such, what's going on now is we're seeing a lot more interest in co-housing. People are looking at it seriously. And uh, unfortunately, the, because of the the way housing costs have risen, mm. uh, just the ec- economic situation, yeah. it's no more affordable uh, than other models, but, uh, you know, and it's attracting probably more seniors uh, that can, uh, can afford it. But we're, we're working with, uh, through the Co-Housing Association, we're working with uh, ways mm-hmm. to, innovative ways to introduce affordability mm-hmm. and Again, Boulder is a good model because we actually did it in four communities in, in Boulder, incorporated affordable housing in all four of them. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Jim, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you coming Same. and talking yeah. to us. And it just fills my heart with good co-housing feelings. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jim. And, th- and thanks to our listeners for stopping by today. I hope you enjoyed it half as much as we did. We're so glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. And if you've been following our safe cracking story, I think there's a posting out there waiting for you this evening on what happened Take care. Bye. Bye.